Well, good morning. God is good? And all the time? Amen. Well, it is a joy to be here this morning. Thank you so much. If you're a visitor or a guest, thank you for being here. If you don't mind filling out the uh, card in front of you in the seat back pocket, um, you can turn that in at the end at the Welcome Center, or you can place it into the offering boxes. We would love to share more about what's going on in the life of Luke 418 with you. We are excited today that we have some guests. We have the Home of Grace that is here with us today. Let's let them know how thankful we are. And we also have the Mission of Hope here with us today. So, amen. I want to share just a few quick announcements. The ladies' tea is coming up Saturday, May 6th at 2 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. Tickets are $5. They can be purchased in the lobby. Kim Jackson is going to be our speaker in worship uh, by uh, Heidi, uh, Heidi Pouncey. And today is the last day to purchase tickets. So let me just say it again. Today is the last day to purchase tickets, and it's for ages 5 and up. Also, our Kids Discovery Camp registration is open. This is open to the community and it is an outreach opportunity. Flyers are at the kids' desk over here, my left, on your right, uh, with information on how to register. This is June 19th through the 23rd, and it's 9 a.m. to 2.30, and the cost is $25. And then also, we are starting the Baby Bottle Campaign that supports the Women's Resource Center. You can pick those up at the Go Table, and uh, you place... Your change in there throughout now until Father's Day, and then we bring that back in, and uh, it all goes to support the Women's Resource Center. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin. Father, you are a good, good Father, and we praise your holy name. And Father, I pray this morning that as we come into this room that our hearts will be prepared it says who can ascend the hill of the lord but he who has clean hands and a pure heart he who does not lift up his soul to idols or swear by what is false father i pray today that we would have clean hands and a pure heart that as we sing we would worship you in spirit and in truth father thank you thank you for the grace and mercy that you have bestowed upon us through your son jesus dying on the cross and being raised to life on the third day. And Father, today we want nothing more than your name to be glorified in this place. For it's in your precious and holy name, the name above all names, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. We're so glad that you chose to worship with us today. If you're a guest with us, we'd love for you to fill out the, uh, the card in the seat back pocket right in front of you to get a little bit more information about Luke 418 Fellowship. Uh, if you're in Christ today, we're all a part of the family of God. Why don't we stand and sing this doxology of praise to the Father today? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him Welcome someone to Luke 14 Fellowship today as we begin to sing. Let earth and heavenly saints proclaim. Let earth and heavenly saints proclaim the power and might of His great name. Let us exalt on bended knee. Praise God the Praise to the King, His throne transcends. 
One more time today. Sing it out. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father. God's people said, amen. Amen. You can clap for that. No matter if it's a great day or an awful day, we can still have joy because of the grace that we have found. There's only one way to God, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's sing, blessed be your name today. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, to walk through the wilderness. Blessed be Every blessing, every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name, the sun shining down on thee, the world's all as it should be, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name, on the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Every blessing, every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name.
was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, from the waters lifting me, now saved. completely saves he will lift you by his love out of the angry waves he's the master of the sea billows his will fail he your savior wants to be Pray that that's your story. That sinking in your sin was not the end. That He reached down and gave you that amazing grace. And today we rejoice. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that today if this is your story chains are gone i've been set together. 
You know that this story will one day come to an end and we will see him face to face. We will be forever his and he will be forever ours. Let's sing together. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine. But God who called me here below will be forever mine. Will be forever mine. You are forever mine. Let's sing how great our God is in our time of corporate worship today. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe display. Sing it. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to me. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. When I think that God, His Son, not sparing, sent Him to die, I scarce can take it That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, He fled and died to take away my sin. Amen. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God, to Thee. How great Thou art. shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall find in humble adoration and there proclaim my God how great thou art and sings my pray together. Lord, you are so mighty and so awesome and so great today. With a word, you created everything. And despite our sin, you have made a way for us in Jesus Christ. We know that you are loving and gracious and merciful, but you are also holy and cannot abide sin. For all that you've done, we say that there is one name that is worthy of our praise. There is one name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. We know that Jesus Christ is Lord yesterday, today, and forever. And one day we will see His face. But until then, we will serve You, getting to know You daily. 
growing in you together, abiding in Christ. And we pray that we would take every single opportunity to go in you to all the world that all might know of the grace that we found, that one way to God. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. We pray that we would walk through that narrow way together, in one line, ready to serve. We know that you will carry us forward, working for our good, to do those works that you have prepared for us to do today. You are worthy of our praise, and we give you our all this morning. Amen.
Can you truly say today that you, we are yours? If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, open up to Matthew chapter 7. We have been in the Sermon on the Mount for a little while. And believe it or not, we are at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. But as a good pastor, when he says in conclusion, he usually has 30 minutes left. Amen. I like that. Because Jesus in his conclusion goes basically from verse 13 to 29. We'll be in the conclusion for about four weeks. So when I say in conclusion, we still have 30 minutes, just know I'm following in the footsteps of Jesus. But we've walked through the Sermon on the Mount the past couple months and it's been a wonderful study. We've looked at the Beatitudes and how we are called to humble ourselves. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. We saw that in that, that we are the salt and light. Remember, salt preserves and light shines. We saw the correct interpretation of the law when Jesus said, You have heard it said, but I tell you. We have heard not to practice our righteousness to be noticed by men especially in giving and prayer and fasting. We have seen in this study that we're not called to worry, but instead seek first the kingdom of God. We saw just a few weeks ago that God is the final judge. We are not. We are called to use discernment when we're speaking to others. We're called to pray persistently. And as we talked about last week, we're called to think of others more than ourselves, to live out the golden rule by abiding in Christ. Now, Jesus in this moment in verse 13 and on is giving a call to action. You know, I joke that uh, I'm following Jesus' footsteps when I have a conclusion that lasts a long time, but the reality here is that Jesus does show us that in a good sermon, there needs to be a call to action. And that's the reason why at the end we have a response, a time for response, for you to listen and obey. Remember, the word Shema means listen and obey. If we're not obeying, if we're not walking in obedience, then are we truly listening to what God is speaking? In this call to action, Jesus gives some comparisons. He talks about the different paths. He talks about the different fruits. He talks about a different foundation. We'll look at those in the days to come. But today we're going to look at the fact that there are two paths that one can take. You get to choose which path, but you don't get to choose the consequences. You know, I'm reminded whenever I think about a path or, or um, a, a journey that you're taking, I'm reminded of a few years back when I and a group of friends decided to run a triathlon down in Destin. Now, many of y'all know that I enjoy triathlons. I don't do them anymore because they just take up too much story, too much time. Well, on this day down in Destin, we all started at different times because we were all in different divisions. I got out there in the water. I was swimming great, little prideful, thinking that, you know, I had finished an Ironman like just a few weeks back. I was going to do great. Never made it out of the water. I was in the hospital because... When I was swimming, I thought that I was breathing in, but when I was breathing in, I got a jellyfish to the face. Yeah, don't eat the jellyfish. But my friends, they continued on in the race, and they finished the race. <clears throat> One of our friends was running, and in his run, he found out that he had a pretty good pace going on, and when he finished, you, you, you look for and you wait for to hear the results you want to know if you won your division. When my friend finished, he got the news and he could not believe the news. You know, Jesus speaks in this passage of two gates, two paths, and two destinations. Two different results. I'll share with you in a little bit of the results of my dear friend. Matthew 7 verse 13 through 14 says this, Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life. 
and there are few who find it. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes, illuminate the pages through the power of the Holy Spirit, place me on the front row, let me hear what you are speaking today, and may I and each of us walk in obedience of your truth. For it's in your holy name we pray, amen. The first thing that we see here is that there are two gates. There is a wide gate, and there is a small or narrow gate. The wide gate, you can take anything that you would like in through this wide gate. Think about whenever you are backing uh, something up like a trailer and you're wanting to unload and, and you can open up these double gates into your backyard and you can get whatever you need. But then all of a sudden you're trying to bring all that stuff in through a small door and it's pretty difficult, right? The worst is whenever you're bringing in a couch because then you have to turn it up on its side and you have to turn it and flip it around. But the wide gate, anything can come through. Think about in our culture today, the wide gate is this idea of tolerance, this many ways that can get to heaven, personal opinion, selfishness, desires of the flesh, all these things can come through the wide gate. But Jesus says that there's a small and narrow gate. And what I love is in John 10, 9, he actually speaks to us and tells us what this gate is. In John chapter 10, verse 9, he says, So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Church, can I tell you the only way into the narrow path, the only way through the gate is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 6, another great I am statement, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. The only way for you to enter to the narrow path that leads to life is through Jesus Christ. The question then is how? Well, we recognize first that we're sinners in need of a Savior. Then we see that Jesus died on the cross, bearing our sin, our punishment. And praise God, He rose again on the third day. And church, the way that we enter through this gate is by the repentance of our sins, submitting to the Lordship of Christ, and receiving the free gift of eternal life, the forgiveness of our sins. See, it's through Jesus Christ that we can be reconciled to God. The sin in our life has separated us from holy God. But Jesus took what we deserved on the cross so that we could be reconciled to Christ, to God. But I must tell you that when you go through this door, it's narrow, it's small. You must leave everything behind. For you to go through this door, you must leave everything behind. Jesus even says in Luke 14, he says, count the cost. The cost is everything. You must leave everything. You can't take anything through this door with you. You must count the cost. And Paul even speaks of this. He says, all the things that were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. You want to enter through the gate, the narrow, small gate that leads to the path that leads to life? You must leave everything behind. Now, for me, I praise God for this illustration. Because one of the most difficult times in my life is when we go on vacation. Because I go down and I say, how are we going to get all these bags into the car? Now, I know y'all been there, Right? The only time that my wife and I ever uh, argue is when we are packing the car because they have so much stuff to go in the car. Sometimes I have a little bit of stuff, but there's so many things. I'm like, are we bringing the whole house with us, right? I even joke that our car has turned into a storage unit sometimes. But just the other day, we were flying back from San Antonio on Tuesday, and we, put all, we checked all of our bags Brother Randy still had a book bag, and I think Jimmy had a book bag, and Martin maybe had a book bag, but I didn't have a book bag. All I had was an iPad and a book. And I handed those to Randy and told him to put them in his bag. 
And so I went to the airport with nothing, no luggage, nothing. Now Randy informed me the whole time. He said, you do realize I'm carrying all your stuff. And I said, yes, Randy, I do. And you're doing it great with humility and joy. But can I tell you, I was one of the few people walking through the airport with nothing. And it was freeing. And, and I loved it. Church, we must recognize that when it comes to this, walking through the narrow door, we must leave everything behind. And I can tell you, though it seems scary, there's freedom. There's freedom. Let's talk about just quickly three things we have to leave behind. There's many things because we talk about everything. But one, we have to leave others behind. That's tough. Let me explain this to you for a second. Jesus says in Luke 14, verse 25 through 27, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father or mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now Jesus is speaking here that your love for God has to be greater than your family. And church, we have to see that we can't bring others through that gate on our faith. Church, you must recognize that it's not family units that are coming through that gate. I can't come through that gate based on or on the coattails of my parents' faith. Church, it must be a belief in my heart, a submission to Christ as Lord and Savior, a repentance of my sin. But too often people say, I'm a Christian because I've always been a Christian. Well, you haven't always been a Christian. You may believe that, hey, I'm good enough because my family has been long-serving Christians. But let me just tell you, the gate, the narrow gate is one person at a time. One person at a time. As much as I long to drag my kids through that gate, they must walk through that gate on their own. They must make that choice. But another reason that that we're called to leave others behind is this, that we are separated from the world. That doesn't mean that we're not in the world, but there is a separation between the wide path and the narrow path. Church, when you go through the narrow gate, when you believe and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you no longer live the life that you once lived. You leave the worldliness behind. That doesn't mean that you're not in the lives of people of this world. We're sharing the gospel. We must be in their lives sharing the truth so that they too may come in. But I can't drag them in. I can't make them go in. They must choose Christ for them to come in. You know, the second thing that we've got to leave behind is our old self. Our old self. Jesus speaks of this when he says that we're called to crucify the flesh. Mark 8, 34, and he summoned uh, the crowd and with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Jesus then goes on to say, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Church, when we walk through that narrow gate, we leave the old self behind. There's people in this world that will say, you know what, I really like the Bible, but I don't like a lot of things that are in it, so I'm only going to cross those things out and I'm going to believe the rest of it. That's not you leaving the old self behind. That's you actually worshiping a God made in your own image because you only pick the things that you like from God's holy word. Church, we must leave the old behind. We must crucify that. Think about this. Crucifixion was painful. Laying the old, the old self down, the sin nature, that is painful. And it's actually a daily process. Ephesians 4 speaks of this as well. And Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says this, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind of your mind and put on the new self which is in the likeness of God and has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth church we must recognize that we're laying the old self down that does not come through the door the gate with you we must also recognize that we have to leave behind our 
rights. Our rights. Your life is completely God's. There's a verse that everybody loves to quote, but I wonder if we truly understand this verse. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Jesus purchased you on the cross. We give him our whole life. Now it's God's will, not our will. Now it's God's plans, not simply my plans. Now it's his desires, not my desires. And think about this for a moment. When we walk through that, when I say use this word rights, we also are laying down our, our preferences and our opinions in order to do the will of God in a local body. The will of God is for us to run in unity that's given to us by the Holy Spirit. And we're called to preserve that. And so when we say we lay those things down, we must be willing to lay down our preferences for the will of God for us to walk in unity together. And can I tell you as a 38, almost 39-year-old pastor, when I became pastor at Luke 4.18, the first thing I said was I must lay down my preferences and my opinions. I cannot lead you by my preferences or by my opinions. I must lead you by God's word and by his truth and by crying out to God to give us wisdom on how to walk forward. Well, Jesus speaks of two gates. There's a wide gate. You can take everything you want in there. There's a narrow gate. But then he speaks of two paths. First, he speaks of the broad path. As I said about the wide gate, if everything can go through the wide gate, then everything goes on the broad path. There's no boundaries on the broad path. Let me just say this, there's no absolute truth on the broad path. And because there's no absolute truth on the broad path, people begin to make up truth that meets their need in the moment. Well, you know what? This is how I feel. So this is truth to me. And now you're going to have to agree with that or else you hate me. And people on the broad path are like, well, if that's how you feel, then good for you. And this is how I feel and good for me. And we're all happy together walking down this path. If you say, well, you know, this feels right for me, then, then go do it. If you say, hey, you know, I decide that I'm just going to steal or cheat, go for it. There's no boundaries. If you need to lie to get ahead, hey, there's no boundaries. There's no absolute truth. There's a continual progressiveness of wandering away from the truths of God's holy word. That's the reason why the broad path leads to pain. It says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And let me just tell you, people who have come to me and said, David, I've walked down the wide path for a long time, and all it's done is lead to destruction. All it's done is lead to pain. I thought there was joy. I thought there was happiness on this broad path. But I have found that it is a lie from the pit of hell. But Jesus says there's a narrow path. The only way onto the narrow path is for you to walk through the narrow path our small gate. In this narrow path, there's boundaries. There's boundaries. Can I just tell you, sometimes when you hear boundaries, people are like, oh no, there's boundaries. Boundaries are a good thing, church. They're a good thing. Let me just explain. In just a few weeks, I'm taking a group to uh, Israel, and I just found out that we, at least at this moment, depending on how things go in the next few weeks, that we're going to get to go up on the Golan Heights. Something that we have not, I have not been able to take a group up there yet. I've been up there personally. And when I was up on the Golan Heights back in 07, I was walking around and I came up to a boundary marker. Now this boundary marker was not necessarily the boundary marker between Israel and Syria. This boundary marker was, don't go any further for there are landmines. I said, okay, I'll go this way. You know, and, and a I, I was just blown away. I was like, man, well, that was a bad joke with that. Uh, but I, my, my heart, my mind was just in shock that there would be landmines. Like, we don't see that in America, right? And they have this, this sign that said, 
Beware, landmines, don't go any further. How many of you agree that's a great boundary? It's a good boundary. Why? It keeps us safe, protected, and we know where we can go and enjoy the Golan Heights and where we don't need to go any further. God placed boundaries all the way back in Genesis chapter 1, church. There was boundaries for the Garden of Eden. There was boundaries for Adam and Eve. You may eat of every tree except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Can I ask you a question today? Was that for their good? Oh, absolutely. But they crossed the boundary. And because they crossed the boundary, the scripture says that sin has entered to all. As I shared with you before, I'll never forget my daughter being real young in the car and she'd gotten in trouble for something. And I said to her, you know, I, I was speaking with her and she looked at me and she said, Daddy, I just want you to know it's because Adam and Eve ate of that fruit. I was like, man, that is profound. But they received those boundaries from God. God spoke to Adam, don't eat. God gave them from his mouth the words, don't eat. He gave them those boundaries. So what are the boundaries on the narrow path? Well, we have God's holy word right here for the boundaries on that narrow path. It says this in Psalm 119.11, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What are the boundaries on that narrow path? It's God's precepts. It's God's law. You know, we just simply put, we could just look at the Ten Commandments. There's so much more. Love God. Don't have idols. Don't take His name in vain. Honor the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. Church, we see these things that the new self is in the image, the reflection of God. And so therefore, there's boundaries for our protection, for our good. You remember uh, two weeks ago, I shared with you that Jesus said that God, being a good father, knows how to give good things to us. God has given us his word and the boundaries of his word for our good for our good I put a fence around my backyard because my kids were young and that way they knew the boundary they could play and they could enjoy and be safe but if there was no boundary how would they know at a very young age not to go out into the street but because that boundary was there it was for their good so they could enjoy the backyard and at church Jesus God gives us boundaries for our good and the boundaries are all throughout the scripture it gives us the guidelines for us to walk now i will say we can't do that in our own power in our own strength here comes that word again we must abide we must abide in christ so that the holy spirit may bear fruit in our life let me just also tell you that this narrow path has not only got boundaries but it's tough it's tough Here's why it's tough. Because daily crucifying of the flesh is difficult. How many of you, when somebody hits you on your cheek, wants to turn the other cheek? How many of you, when you're asked to go one mile, says, hey, let me go two? How many of you, when somebody says, give me your shirt, you give them your coat as well? Church, I just want you to know that walking that narrow path is difficult. But God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. God has given us the Holy Spirit of promise for us to walk down this narrow path. It's also tough because the world, the wide path, hates those on the narrow path. They'll say things like this, you're so narrow-minded. I can't believe that you would think this or that you would think that. They'll say things like, Can you, do you not see how much fun you're missing out on in this wide, amazing path? The world will persecute you because you're on the narrow path. I had somebody tell me a long time ago, David, you being a Christian, you're so narrow-minded. And I told him, I said, if you think that I'm narrow-minded, then you just need to take that up with the one who gave me his word. 
I'll let you take it up with God. Because God gave us the boundaries for our good. Because he loves us. Because he cares for us. Church, there's going to be persecution. The scripture says that if the world hated Jesus, they're going to hate us. Even in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are persecuted. Why? Because in that moment, it's it's showing that, that distinct difference between the wide path and the narrow path. So we see that there are two gates. There's two paths. Church, can I tell you that there's two destinations? There's two destinations. The scripture tells us, it says, that one is the broad path that leads to destruction. But the narrow path leads to life. The first destination is those that are on the wide path. It leads to destruction. Destruction. Think about this for a moment. People on the wide path are just happily going along, thinking that they're enjoying life with no absolute truth. They can do whatever they want. And they're happily going to destruction. They don't, they don't recognize. They don't see. They don't know. But can I tell you that there are signs everywhere? The scripture tells us that. That just creation alone cries out that there's a creator. I remember on the last uh, trip to Israel, we had this opportunity to go to Masada and we were on our way to Masada and there was these signs that were flashing, which they were in Hebrew and I don't speak or read Hebrew. I do speak a little bit like Shalom or Shema. And Nasser, who speaks Hebrew, looked at me and he was like, I don't, why, why would that sign say roads closed? I, I don't know, let's, let's keep going. So we kept going. We drove about 30 minutes into the desert till we finally, after passing about 10 different signs, came up to a stop in the road. There was a whole line of cars who had ignored the signs, including our big bus. And we get out, Nasser and I get out, we leave the group in the bus, we walk down trying to figure out what's going on. And here's what they told me. Let me just say, it was blue skies, not a cloud in the sky, and they said, it's flooding in the desert. I was like, Okay. What had happened was that it was flooding or raining hard in Tel Aviv and all the rain had come down and it washed out the road in the desert. We ignored the signs and found ourselves losing about an hour plus of time. Now I want you to know that those who ignore the signs on this wide path don't simply lose an hour of time. It's a much greater consequence. For the scripture tells us that the wide path leads to destruction. It's not simply a waste of time that you lose, but it's eternal judgment in a place called hell. Can I tell you there's signs all over the place from creation? Church, we are to be signs. We are to be those who are proclaiming the gospel and the truth. We are to go and make disciples according to his word. We are to go and be witnesses all over the world, being that sign, letting them know, hey, that path that you're on will lead to destruction. Now, I can't make somebody go through the gate, but I can share with them the truth. But then there's another path. The narrow path, and it leads to life. It leads to life. What is this life? It's eternal life. It's to be with Christ for all eternity. I I just did multiple funerals this last seven days. And in all of the funerals that I did, they, they sang the hymn that Aaron just sang. How great thou art. And in the last verse, it says this, that when Christ returns, and then it says, what joy shall fill my heart. Can I tell you that I closed both of the funerals um, this way? I said that those who are in Christ, they will have joy in their heart when they breathe their last. But for those who are on the wide path, those who are of this world, they will have sorrow that fills their heart. 
We sing the song, for joy shall fill my heart when Christ returns. Church, I'm telling you, at the end of this path, whether you're on the wide path or whether you're on the narrow path, they're all going to end at the same place, and that is at the judgment seat of God. Those who came on the wide path will hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And they'll be placed in a place called hell. But for those who have come through the gate, through Jesus Christ, and have walked down the narrow path, they shall hear, come in my good and faithful servant. One shall have joy, eternal life, and the other will have sorrow and pain for eternity. So I share this with you. For those who are on the narrow path today, in Galatians 6, 9, it says, Do not lose heart in doing good, for in due time you shall reap if we do not grow weary. So then we will have the opportunity to let us do good to all people. What, what's being said here is just remember the end game. Remember the prize. Remember the focus. Eternal life with Christ. There is going to be tough times on the narrow path. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be painful at times. Even trying to crucify the flesh to stay within the boundaries. But we must keep our eyes focused on the finish line. 1 Corinthians says this. In verse 56 and 58, it says, The sting of death is sin, the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then here's this verse that nobody, we, we very seldom read this last verse. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. See, for those who are on the narrow path, we press on. There's a song out that says, it shall be worth it all when we see Jesus. Church, we must press on, focused on the finish line. Many of you in this room know that I have ran a couple Ironmen in my life. I was on the full 140.6 Ironman. I was doing great. Everything was good except for one thing. I overhydrated. Didn't know you could do that, but I overhydrated. I was eight miles, 10 miles into the run. I had 16 miles left to go to finish the race. I had been going for eight hours at this point. And literally, I was running a great pace and I started to pass out and, I, and a spectator caught me. And in that situation, a medic came over and said, are you ready to call your race? I said, no, I don't know what happened. And, and she was like, hey, you're going into shock. Are you ready to call your race? And I said, no, I've worked too hard for this. She said, I think you're, overhydrated, drink some Gatorade, drink some chicken broth, get some salt in you, some electrolytes, and maybe, just maybe, you can get up and keep going. I sat there for an hour plus drinking Gatorade and chicken broth, and I got up and I said, I'm running out of time, you got to finish by midnight or else if it's 12.01, they say, great job, but sorry. And I got up and I said, I've got to get to the finish line. And so I just, one step after another, I couldn't feel my legs. I kept asking the guy next to me, hey, am I going to die? He goes, well, you're moving. I got three miles from the finish line. I had about 35 minutes before midnight. And all of a sudden, I heard the roar of the crowd. And I said, I got to get to that crowd. I got to get to the finish line. I got another mile, two miles left, a mile left, and every time somebody would cross the finish line, the crowd went crazy. This is at midnight in Texas. The crowd's going crazy every time. And, and the closer I got, the louder the crowd was. With four minutes left before midnight, I got to the crowd. And, and they call it a shoot. And I got into the chute, going into the finish line. And there's crowd on both sides. And as I'm going, the crowd is going crazy. They don't know me. I don't know them. So many people, I couldn't find my wife. I couldn't find my father. I, I just knew I had to get to the finish line. And as I ran across the finish line, I don't know if you call it running at this point, 16 hours later, minus two minutes, I cross the finish line and the crowd goes crazy. And that's what the Lord told me. He said, David, keep your eyes on the finish line of life. 
For there's a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering you on every step of the way. And when you get down and out and when you can't feel your legs in the race and when you've got to drink chicken broth just to get some electrolytes, remember that the crowd, the, 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 the great cloud of witnesses is cheering you on to go forward to the finish line. Focus in and run the race all the way to the finish line. Church, I tell you all that to say this. The end prize is eternal life with Christ. We're on the narrow road. It's painful. It's difficult in this world. But there's a day coming. It will be worth it all. For we shall be with Christ for all eternity. I close by sharing this with you. Which path are you on today? Have you tried to go through the narrow gate with all your luggage? You know, it's freeing when you can lay down everything. That includes the pain of the past. You know, if you're sitting there and you've tried to go through that narrow gate with all your luggage, I pray today that you would find freedom in laying that down. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. There's some of you in this room who are saying, David, I've been on the wide path and it's painful. And I'm ready to walk through that gate. Jesus truly has purchased me on the cross through his blood. He has paid the price the entrance to get through that gate, the blood of Jesus. And praise God, he rose again, so I am submitting my life to the Lordship of Christ. I pray today that you'll get off of the wide path and you'll go through the narrow gate, which is Jesus. But for believers today in this room, those who are on that narrow path, who have come through the gate, which is Jesus Christ, is your eyes on the finish line. If you're still breathing, you have work to do. We don't just sit back and say, well, God's going to take me home soon, so I'm just going to chill out here on earth. No, we press forward. Even if we can't feel our legs in this run, even if we're having to drink chicken broth to get some electrolytes, we must press on for the gospel because the, the pain of somebody not coming to Christ, the consequences are too much. We push on until our last breath, proclaiming the truth. Where are you today? And church, I pray today that you would recognize that eternal life, life with Christ, is the prize, it's the goal, and we press on. And I was just reminded that that great cloud of witnesses includes Brother Fred and Brother Ed and all those who have gone before us, cheering us on. I told you a story at the very beginning of a dear friend of mine. A dear friend of mine who ran a race with me that I got put in the hospital. I didn't get to finish. He ran the race. He got to the finish line. He crossed the finish line. I told you just a minute ago that the wide path and the narrow path lead to the judgment seat of Christ. But in that moment... Those who are on the wide path will hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. And those who are on the narrow path will hear, come in my good and faithful servant. My friend finished the race, waiting for this news. Which place? How fast did he run? How fast was his bike ride? How fast was his swim? And this is what he heard. This is what he found out. That he had ran the wrong path he had ran the wrong path in a triathlon when you run the wrong path you're disqualified instead of going left he went straight and because of that when he got to the finish line he found out that he had ran the wrong path here's my concern church there are many people, maybe even here today, who think that they're on the right path. And that when they stand before the throne, they're going to say, whoa, how did I miss it? There's people who think that because they attend a church, they're on the right path. There's people who think that because they do good works, they're on the right path. There's people who think because... They're conservative in their views, they're on the right path. There's people who think 
that because they go to Sunday school or give, they're on the right path. There's people who think that because they're good enough, they're on the right path. And I'm here to tell you the only way to be on the narrow path is through Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. For my friend, it wasn't the news that he wanted to hear that he had ran the wrong path. But that's minuscule in comparison to somebody hearing that they ran the wrong path when they stand before the throne of God.